0: We know now that in the early years of the 20th century, this world was being watched closely by
1: intelligences greater than man's. Men from Moto Digital strategies with Travis Sowers and David Seville.
0: Intellects vast, cool, and unsympathetic.
1: Broadcast to the world with the uncanny help of Manor Deprived and face2faceGames.com. Greetings, people of Earth. We are the Men from Moto, and you're listening to episode 37, Fishing for Answers. My name is David Seville, and I have Travis Sowers with me this week again. How are you, sir? I'm wonderful. How are you, David? Great. One week, I will get rid of you. It might be next week. It might be the week after. It might be sometime in the future. But one week, it will just be me on this podcast, and that it's will like be a Like sending
0: assassins day. here or something.
1: Maybe some Merfolk assassins that can't be blocked.
0: Oh no, nobody would draft those. <laughs> uh, happy twenty-fifth episode,
1: by the way. Happy twenty-fifth episode. I didn't get you anything. I didn't. Get, I never get you anything for these events. But um, it's weird because we started at thirteen, and if you count thirteen in the thing then that's 27 so or 25 and it's kind of weird because it's 37 so maybe we should start renumbering these or something like that
0: happy 37th
1: episode dave except i was only around for part of them so eh, whatever it, it works it works what is 25 anyway i feel like we've done this joke before 25, 25 is like silver it's
0: after 24 before 26
1: okay so it doesn't really matter yeah okay almost a year though which is kind of crazy
0: yeah yeah i, I you want to do another year Uh,
1: yeah, let's, uh, sign a contract to send it to my agent. We'll, I'll, I'll have my people call you your people and and we'll, we'll make it happen.
0: Okay. My people are a cat just so you know. Mm,
1: Okay. Well, I'm sure that he can sign legal documents anyway. So we've been drafting Ixalan for a couple of weeks now. Um, we were here to maybe talk about some of our experiences, good and bad in the last week or two of drafting um you've probably done 30 drafts i've done close to 10 so i feel like we've got some coverage in this format at least more so than normal when it comes to draft um and i did get lucky and find some time to hit up draft weekend so that was pretty cool so um i thought maybe we just go back and forth jam a little bit about our experiences and um talk about some of the good some of the bad things we've done i've got some pick one pack ones on this list here that we would like to go through and um i think we wanted to touch on some archetypes as well so uh it's going to be a jam-packed episode hopefully um filled with fish guts and vampire blood and I don't know what pirates have I guess treasure booty booty they got fine booty um so first I'd like to start with um just how your week has gone draft wise like let's talk about it you've drafted more in this format than you have in any format in the past I would argue at least so far um and that's a conscious decision on your part.
0: It is. Um, I'm not finding the sealed format fun. It's certainly playable, and I have had some fun while playing, but uh, due to this being a, a format that is high on synergy, on low on individual card power, building the sealed pools has been considerably less fun. It's not like there's interesting decisions. It's just, okay, these are the good cards that I have, and they synergize with some of these things. So I was kind of like, you know what? I'll just play sealed when I, I have to for the PTQs, and I still enjoy it, but it, it's really gotten me motivated to go back and do some drafting. And uh, I'd, I'd say it's been a good week or so of drafting. Last week on stream, I won the Streamer Showdown. I forgot I that think, that was a thing. No, well, that was a thing. Just casually destroyed it. <laughs> um, And I think I 3-0'd every draft I did. I may have had one, two, one, whereas this week I've done seven drafts so far this week and I have two, one, every single one of them consistent, consistent, which is a 66% win percentage. Like that's nothing to like sneeze at. I just would rather string together some three O's here and there, but I'll take it. It's a bunch of two ones. It's fine. But I'd say I've been doing pretty well in the draft format. And, but like you mentioned, it's cause I kind of don't want to play sealed right now. hmm
1: So, um, <laughs> Do you have anything that stands out in the form of, of like draft decks that, or cards that have overperformed for you? Cards that have carried you to victory, carried you to your two ones
0: a little more frequently than others? Well, what's the easiest way to say this? I have consistently had people come into the stream and I had a big influx of viewers um, for various different reasons. One of which is Kenji was off for the uh, GP And I played against Marshall in a video that he recorded for Channel Fireball and posted it. So there have been some people coming by to talk about that. It's had a lot of new faces in stream. And about every five minutes, someone will come into chat and say, X-Tribe is the best deck. So Merfolk is absolutely the best deck, someone will say. You have to first pick this River Snake. And then next draft, someone will come in and say, Vampires are the best deck. You have to pick the Deacon right now. Just take it. Vampires are the best deck. I don't think there's actually a best deck. I think, much like every draft format we've ever had, the best deck is the open deck. And you should start out by picking the powerful cards. There's not that many powerful cards in this set, so know what they are and identify them and pick them. Like, some things that... Like, for example, if I'm choosing between Fire Cannon Blast and Unfriendly Fire, I'm sure we'll talk about this at some point. I'm far more interested in Fire Cannon Blast than I am Unfriendly Fire at this point. I think it's just a better card. So, like, don't necessarily think that that's a signal. But try to figure out what the good cards are and take those. And, like, don't worry about which tribe you're in. None of them are so bad that you don't want to be in them. And none of them are so good that they're worth forcing. And in that way, it's a balanced draft format.
1: I, I definitely think that there's, like not tiers between the tribes but tiers in the quality of decks you can put together in each tribe and if you have the key enablers in each tribe of which i can think of maybe like two in each tribe that i think that um that are like if you can if you can land these your deck kind of just builds itself so the one i can think of for example in merfolk is the um the four drop that gives all your plus one plus one counter creatures unblockable like that card's stupid. Like if you can't remove that card in some way or bounce it and like get a bunch of blocks in, like you uh, you cannot beat that in a lot of in a lot of scenarios. That was the centerpiece of a merfolk deck I drafted, right? But like you can build a merfolk deck that doesn't have that piece, let's say, and it it there's you run the risk of being a, a, like, you know, a notch down compared to other merfolk decks. But I think if you have those key enablers in each one like the vampire one I'm thinking of, um whenever you attack with a vampire, you drain your opponent. Right, and then there's, but then there's the Gray Merchant of Asphodel in vampires, right as well, which is the kind the Deacon's of like,
0: pretty easy to get, though. I found the Deacon to be a decent one there.
1: Yeah, but like, oh, and and the Deacon as well, right? But like, there there's definitely different tiers of those, and so um, you have to keep your eye out, I think, for the more powerful cards in each in each open, I guess, archetype in each open tribe. But I think if you get the nut deck in each tribe, they will probably bounce off of each other fairly well. Maybe it's like paper rock scissors, like maybe one deck like the vampire deck beats the pirate deck and the pirate deck beats the dinosaur like who knows right i don't have enough experience in the format in that but like you know there's like the nut tribe deck and then there's the notch below which is like you know the above average tribe deck um and and when you lose to that nut merfolk deck with your pirates deck you might think to yourself well shit this matchup just sucks when it might just be that your opponent just had like the stone cold nuts when they when they drafted the deck and that's that happens in this format, it seems. I've lost to some very, very good decks with decks that I felt I drafted well and I was playing well, but it just underperformed because of that gap in uh, in quality of like the synergy of the cards.
0: I think what we actually have here, if we want to put my finger on it, and it's going to sound like I'm complaining, and I'm not. This is still a fun format. I still like Magic. I've seen a lot of people ranting on Twitter that this is the worst limited format they've ever seen, and it's like, let it go, man. I played in Mercadian Masks. You don't know what you're talking about. This format's fine. I'm enjoying it. I'll be drafting for a while. But what we actually have here, I think, is all five colors are essentially green in Battle for Zendikar. Now, there, there were, we weren't actually recording the podcast way back then, but I was producing a lot of magic content during Battle for Zendikar. And the thing about green in BFZ was there are pros who would tell you it's unplayable, avoid it. And generally speaking, you're right to do that nine times out of ten. But there were a few uncommon payoff cards that were absolutely absurd, and they were green. And if you had those, it was right to go into green. So if you started out picking one of those, you could be relatively certain if another one was opened, it would get past you. And if you have two of those uncommon payoffs, green can be good. The challenge was those uncommon payoffs weren't always opened at the table. So you weren't necessarily going to see them, which made you a little nervous to first pick that green card and be like, I know my deck's going to suck unless that uncommon gets open and gets passed to me. And that's kind of what we've got here. Even any of those cards that like define it as this is the nut in this deck, right? They don't work unless you don't have the synergy pieces. So like that merfolk that gives all, all your, your dudes with counters unblockable doesn't do anything in your pirate deck. It's just not a good card, whereas it's a stone-cold bomb in the Merfolk deck. So I think if we look at that and say this is a set with much lower power level than what we're used to before, and it's because the cards are meant to synergize well together, it can be a fun and enjoyable draft experience. I, I don't know that it's going to have the legs that something like Hour of Devastation did, and it's unfortunate that it follows immediately after Hour of Devastation, because, again, I think that was one of the better draft formats and sealed formats that that I can remember having had. But I think there's still a lot here. You just kind of have to recognize that it's like green and BFZ. You really want to look for those uncommon payoffs and then draft around those if you possibly can. Mm -hmm.
1: And I don't even think that just applies. I don't even think that necessarily applies to the tribes. But like if you're just ending like drafting up A pile of of two colors that maybe share a tribe maybe they don't share a tribe i think the same thing applies where you're looking for those uncommon payoffs so cards like territorial hammer skull you don't need to be a dinosaur deck to play that you just need to have white cards in your deck right it doesn't matter what white deck you play you want that card um and then there's a lot of the uncommon payoffs that, that go into the tribes like you mentioned so um i don't think you're wrong i i think i agree completely um does it feel then more like a like a prince format than a popper format. Do you think like are, are the rares and uncommons more important than your drafting your common removal and things like that? Or do you think it's still fairly balanced between the two?
0: No, I would say it's, it's far like just the power level of the cards is so vastly different than what we're used to. The, the creatures in this format kind of suck. And like, I don't mind that I started drafting with Mirage. We were playing, you know, four mana two twos with a drawback and thought that was reasonable like at the time, the removal was was way better than than the creatures were. And here we've kind of got everything ratcheted back in power level. And they, they've got to do that every few sets. Otherwise, power creep becomes a thing. And before you know it, every color has zero mana five fives. And it's it's not a fun game anymore. Um, but I, I don't think there's as many bombs. And even the bombs that I've seen are most of them were cards that could be dealt with in some way. There's no, you know, scarab god of this format that is true Um, i've I've lost games i've lost some games to mana flood and mana screw which we talked about before i I think i'm feeling that more because i'm used to being able to cycle away something and i can't do that anymore um but i I don't feel like there's cards that my opponents have played and i've been like there's nothing i have that can beat that
1: Mm -hmm. i wonder if we need to start looking at um card draw and pseudo cycling commune with dinosaurs and opt are the two cards that i can think of um as a way to start mitig- like looking to mitigate flood and in- and it flood in particular i guess um just to get a little deeper in your deck but um i ran a deck on the weekend that had two ops and 16 lands and it felt like i was playing like a 36 card deck like i was consistently i know i could have replaced op with a better quote better card like i could have played a like a, a 21st or 22nd quality card. And instead of playing Opt, which doesn't do anything, technically. Um, but I did find that that Opt let me um smooth my draws early in the game. So like I could keep sketchier hands if I had an Opt in an island. Um and then late game it was just like putting lands to the bottom. Right. So it would be Opt. And sometimes I'd scry to the card a card to the top and you're like, well it just cycled itself like it didn't really do anything. Um, but there were times when I would put a useless card on the bottom and then, you know, draw a fresh card and it would be the, what I needed. Sometimes it wasn't, but like getting deeper in the deck with commune, uh, or opt, I think is going to be important, but maybe things like costly plunder, maybe the value of a card like that goes up. Um, certainly in blue as well, the, um, the, the two mana draw two. Costically. costly plunder. No, 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 that card is not playable. We have to let that one go. I'm just saying that maybe it needs, maybe it needs to go up in a format where like we thought there would be mana sinks, but there aren't. Um, and you probably don't play 16 lands more than you play 17 lands. You probably play 17 lands more. Like, I'm just thinking, like, maybe you need a way to get some kind of card advantage from somewhere when you run out of gas.
0: Yeah, I, um, I, I have already used, I have already played the two op 16 land deck. I have played the two commune with dinosaurs 16 land deck. I have played rummaging goblin and it has been good. Okay. Rummaging? Goblin
1: Goblin's a good example of that. I mean, I guess in black you have the, the 3-2 pirate that can also draw you cards
0: off of your treasure. Yeah, like, that's okay. D- don't play Altar's Reap Variants. Just don't play them. Put them in your sideboard. Bring them in if your opponent has a bunch of the pacifisms. Um, I, I don't think that's where I want to go. Like, sacrificing on-board resources for card advantage. And you can get carried away with card draw, too. Like... I, I still think mana sinks are where we want to go. Something like a Pirate's Cutlass is a great mana sink. Like, that's a card that I initially dismissed, and now that I've played with it some, I'm like, that's that's really good. I'm picking those early. Like, it's great if you have pirates, and it's kind of great if you don't. Uh,
1: I think I want to focus on that a little bit more. Can we talk about why that card is great? And maybe, like, you know, I'm, this this is probably not news to to some of our listeners, but to some of our you know maybe newer listeners or, or people that are newer to the game might not really understand why it's good um so you have auras on one side you have enchantments on one side where um it you run the risk of getting two for one so you play um plus two plus two in flying one with the wind is that what it's called mm-hmm. right you're you're going all in on a card um you're, you're kind of putting yourself you're exposing yourself to risk you you might get an extra couple points of damage in because you give that two damage haste essentially so you put it on a two two you give it flying you, you hit your damage. You hit your opponent for four. You got that two damage off that card. If your opponent has a removal right away, you know you're down two cards and it sucks. You, you spend a bunch of resources and you'll hit them for an extra two. So so there's that inherent risk of getting two for one. Then you have equipment which is completely anti two for one, right? Like it's a resource that will stay on the board for most of the game. Um, you know your opponent will really have it. Artifact removal, but the problem is is the cost, right? So you have to play it and then you have to equip it. So you can play it. And equipment late game, but early game you're not getting that haste damage, like you're not getting that that damage through necessarily. So Pirate's Cutlass kind of takes the risk out of the, the enchantment side and if you put it on a pirate, it kind of brings that cost down on the equipment side and you end up with this amalgamation that feels like an enchantment equipment. So you if you put it on a pirate, you get this immediate hit in like it was an enchantment, and then when your pirate dies, you still have this resource sitting around that you can just equip on something. So they've taken the best of both worlds In what is a reasonably costed piece of equipment, I would say, like three mana to cast and two to equip on a 2-1, you know, it's a little expensive, but if you get that free equip out of it, you know, you're pretty much ahead of the game, and that's why it's so good, and it's actually gone way up for me. It used to be that I could feel like I get it in pack three if I was a pirate deck. Now I feel like I almost have to pick it in pack one in the anticipation that I will be in a pirate deck or at least have some number of pirates to equip it on. I don't think it's that great if you don't have a single pirate. I think you want to at least have something you can get the free equip
0: off of. Um, but you could do worse for as far as equipment goes. Well, the the other thing to bear in mind about this card is like I've I've played it in, in decks with very few pirates. It's a format of hill giants, right? Like after playing with this format enough, would you say that that's a, a fair statement? That like a 3-3 three, three is kind of your average creature size here? There are a lot of three threes in the format, Yep, and a lot of them we're playing. If you put this on a Grizzly Bear, it will now trade with a 3-3. If you put it on anything bigger than a 3-3, my god, is it a threat. You can throw it on a Vampire token and trade it for a Hill Giant. Like, it's a, like just the stat bonus, plus 2, plus 1 is exactly what you want here. That's the only thing that makes something like Swashbuckling semi-threatening, is that like if you build a 5-5 with it, that's the biggest thing around, Unless there's dinosaurs, which sometimes there are, but like a five-five is huge in this format, and not much can kill it.
1: I mean, unfriendly fire is four, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you you kind of cap out at at four damage in 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 damage based removal. I mean, you have six damage on the the fire cannon blast or whatever it is, but that can be tough to trigger sometimes. So, can I like it. Can
0: we do a hot take? Yes, unfriendly fire sucks. I don't like it. Yeah, I don't either. It it doesn't kill any dinosaurs, which is what I want my five mana to removal do. It If I'm killing anything else, I'm drastically overpaying for it. And the only place I would really want it is so it can go to the face, which it can certainly do. But there's not a hyper aggro deck like we were used to from Amonkhet that just revolves around like six one drops. So like, I'll play unfriendly fire, but seeing one fourth pick isn't like, ooh, move into red. It's more like, huh, there's an unfriendly fire here. Don't care. I
1: think it's pretty like I put it in the same slot as like a bright reprisal where like you probably no, 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 no. Listen, listen, where you probably want you probably need to play one because you do need some amount of like removal that will, you know, fill that role, fill a role. Um But like there's no reason to pick it any any earlier than like on
0: the wheel. See, the thing you need to remember about bright reprisal is you can play any number of basic lands in your deck. Sometimes you have to kill a six six. Yeah, but if it's my in six weight. six that you need to kill, you're never getting it with that spell. Like I have already sniffed those out to the point that like I would side in a duress, know that they have it, and just wait, and then until I drew the duress, fire it off, pick it out of their hand, and then kill them with it. Like that card sucks. I don't want bright reprisal. It's so easy to read. I've also gotten to the point where I can just smell the the wind riders, the three three flash flyers. Like I can just sense when they're coming. Well, that, that's because there's so much flash and instant
1: speed removal in the set, right? Like like there's or there's, or there's bounce in blue, there's flash in blue, there's bright reprisal in white, there's subtle the wreckage in white, unfriendly fire in red, right? Like there's uh, there's so much that you can do at instant speed. It's easy to sniff out. I agree.
0: There is, but I can always tell what it is. And like, I got, I got, got exactly once in this format with bright reprisal. And then I was like, all right, I know what five mana white left up does. <laughs> you're not wrong like sometimes, I you, need, sometimes
1: you need to kill an, an attacking creature sometimes you need an, sometimes you need to kill a
0: six six and i've put it in my deck thinking that that was the case but that's not what it does if you need to kill a six six there's a three mana answer in white at common that you can get and it's way better than bright reprisal
1: yeah you're not wrong
0: yeah i think but bright anyway reprisal as i was saying trap.
1: it's it's this it's in the same slot as that where it doesn't, it doesn't kill the thing that you need it to kill when you need to kill it, and it's yeah. more like it. It's more like a safety valve than anything.
0: I, I do like that it can go face. So I'm not unhappy if I'm playing red and have one. It's just not something I'm ever prioritizing. And it seems like folks in the chat want me to pick it a lot, a lot higher than I do. But like, it's a catastrophe if I have four of these in a deck. Four unfriendly fires. Yeah, I do not want that. I want one, maybe two.
1: Uh, I don't see why you would ever play that. No, it doesn't kill wouldn't. it doesn't kill the things that you need to kill. Anyway, we're on the same page on, on Friendly Fire there. Um what do you think of the
0: bounce in this format in blue? Have you played enough blue? Yeah, I've played a lot of blue. I've played Merfolk, I've played Pirates, I've even played Blue White Skies, which is certainly still a deck. Um I I still miss Claustrophobia. It feels like there was supposed to be one and the slot got eaten up for something. Um I, I like the Griptide variant a lot. The two-mana bounce spell, I mean, just kind of feels like an unsummon to me that costs one extra. It can't even bounce your own stuff. I still don't like that. But, like, I, I dig it. It's good. It doesn't kinda, permanently deal with something.
1: I kind of like the two-mana one um, uh, early in the game, I think.
0: Yeah, but, like, at that point, if you're bouncing a two-drop, like, what does your life come to that you need to bounce a two-drop? Like, I need to be able to take advantage of the tempo that it creates because I'm, you know, incinerating a card to be able to do it. And I'm not often able to do that in the early game. Or I want to hold the bounce spell up to get them when they play a combat trick. Um, And the combat tricks are so expensive now and you can kind of read what combat tricks your opponent has too, which is neat. But like, yeah, I don't don't particularly care for the two mana one. I can see it having some uses and I'd play it, but I like the three one a little better.
1: I like the three one a little better because of the treasure. Um, I really like the format of one runaground. That's probably my favorite one. I don't know how many I would play like top I've topped out at two. I don't think a third one would probably be wise. Um, but I've played uh, so a draft weekend I drafted a really good blue white tempo deck. Um and it was the more that I think about it, the more that I think about um the, the more that I think that maybe my opponents were not the best at drafting. Um because I was able to pick up a lot of the key cards, but like Blue white with a bunch of bounce spells, a bunch of tappers, a bunch of flash creatures. And by by a bunch, I mean like two. Um, And then fill out your deck with like flyers and a a territorial hammer skull and your opponent never blocks, basically. Um, And that's where that's where I liked the two mana bounce spell and the three mana bounce spells the most was when, you know, my opponent's not blocking because I have a hammer skull anyway, and then I'm able to like just keep them off resources. Um, There was one game where my opponent I had my opponent dead at 15 life and they didn't know it um and and the reason is is because they had like two blockers on board and i had a territorial territorial hammer skull and like a ground creature and a flyer or something like that it was like six damage a turn let's say and it was like like bounce your thing attack for six tap your guy and and it wasn't even bounce it was run aground so put it on top and then they play it again because they missed their land drop and it was like swing for six same play run it aground and then like next turn it was like two-mana bounce spell, and it's like, same thing, you're dead. 18 damage in three turns or something like that. And it's like, I never built my board, but I knew what they had in hand, and I knew they were just going to play the same card every time, and it was kind of dumb, right? But um, that, that's where I think I like the bounce and the tempo. Um, but that's not a white thing, that's more like a blue thing. Um, it just so happened that I have the Hammer Skulls, which is, by the way, like a stupid card. It's really good. It's really dumb, especially if you get two.
0: I've had up to four. I had a play Did- that once. I hope you won those games.
1: Yeah, I think that was one of the 3-0s from last week. Yeah. So, um, have you drafted any really bad decks that have stood out? I got one.
0: I don't think I've drafted anything that was pure train wreck. Um, I had a 19-creatures dinosaur deck today that I still managed to obviously 2-1 with. Because my name is Travis, and that's what I do when I play Magic these days. But it, it just didn't have anything but creatures. I think it had one unfriendly fire one fire cannon blast. And then the other spells were like commune with dinosaurs or some crap. Like it was, it it was really bad. It was just all dudes and no tricks, no removal. Just here's my dinos.
1: I drafted that very same deck. Um, and I should have prioritized removal over like the three, five that pumps your team. And like, I was like, sweet. I got this great like creature base in pack one. I'll get a pounce or something in pack two or pack three. And I never saw those pounces or removal spells at all in pack two and pack three. So, I'm kind of leaning toward the, like, make sure you pick enough removal in pack one and you'll get the creatures in pack two and three when everybody's fighting over removal. Um, But I imagine that that will there'll be a little bit of ebb and flow as we go through the format there.
0: Sure.
1: Um, Yeah. Anyway, other than that, things have been pretty good in the format. You want to do
0: some pick one pack ones? Yeah, pick one pack one me. All
1: right. Um, This is probably an easy one, given that we just talked about the card. So the Territorial Hammer Skull. Uh this is two three in white for three mana when it attacks it taps target creature. Uh versus X lands binding. That's the Oblivion Ring of the format. Um this is this is kind of something that I struggle with. I haven't actually had this pick on stream, um, but it was kind of a thought experiment that I was looking at when I was thinking about comparing first picking a quality creature versus first picking a quality removal uh card in the same color. And mm-hmm. uh and I think it's close, so I'm curious what you would pick.
0: I think it's really close to fun story about Ixalan's Binding. I had my opponent play a Sunrise Seeker, explore, and reveal another Sunrise Seeker on top of their library. Can you guess what spell I used to remove it?
1: That's awesome.
0: Oh, That's, that feels, that so, feels good. so good. <laughs> that felt so good. We can actually narrow this pick down a little bit. Um, Ixalan's Binding is better than the four-mana pacifism effect, but it, it's most of the time the same card. And I kind of have a common ranking delineation in my head of pacifism, hammer skull, um, blood craze, paladin that comes with a token. I can't remember the card names. The I'll three get two. Yeah, the three, two that comes with a buddy. And I think pack one, pick one, I'm going to pick the removal spell first. Although territorial hammer skull is very good. And like once I have two of the pacifisms, if I see a hammer skull, huzzah, wide is open. But at that point, I'm taking the hammer skull. Is Hammerskull a common? I thought it was an uncommon. Hammerskull is a common. Huh. You don't see them anymore because people because have people recognized pick that them. they're good.
1: Yeah. That's probably why I thought it was an uncommon. Yeah, I think I'm with you on that one. I like Ixlon's Binding um, specifically because of the uh, unconditional removal aspect of it. So you're right. Like, it's basically a pacifism. Um, but the fact that you can remove things with activated abilities, like you're facing down the merfolk that makes things unblockable. And you're like, boy, I really wish I could unconditionally remove that as you're looking at a hand of like pacifisms, let's say. Yeah. Um, and, and that, and that I think puts it over the top, but like, I'm not getting, I'm not going to, I'm not going to hate anybody if they tell me that hammer skull is the best pick out of those two cards. Like, I think that they're close enough. Um, I'm taking removal because I think that I've got burned on removal. And like not having enough removal in the past. um, But like if somebody wants to take Hammer Skull, that's I think it's close enough that it doesn't matter. Well, there, like there's, we're talking small percentages.
0: There's a difference, too, in like Ixalan's Binding goes in a deck with planes, right? All you need to do to maximize it is have the mana to cast it. And it's going to be it's going to do what it says on the tin. Whereas the Hammer Skull, it can certainly go in any white deck. But ideally, it's going in a white deck that's curving like 3-1 into this, into 3-3 three, three flyer. And it's going to look absurd there. It's going to be okay if you've got 2-2 two, two drops. But if you have 5, it's going to look like the best card in your deck. So, like, it requires a little more work to maximize. I've actually found it to be the most vampire-friendly dinosaur, right? Like, it goes right in there. I guess it's their lunchbox or whatever if they get hungry. But So, like... I can I know I the, the world is my oyster and I can go anywhere if I take the binding whereas the hammer skull does want a little bit of care and attention to truly shine.
1: Mhm. Um I think all the white de- the white decks in this format are the ones that are attacking so it should be fairly easy to get a curve but you're right like I think it's a safe per- first pick because I think it's easy to build a white curve in this format. Mm-hmm. Um the two drops are fantastic like those 2-2 lifelinkers. Yeah. Like bananas right like when did we start getting nothing but bears with upside like is there even a bear with downside in this format i'm not sure that there is not downside um
0: you although can... we do have the just bear in black
1: yeah but i mean they have so many other two ones and stuff that are better so it's kind of bananas i love that the like little tiny creatures are What what's the word that i'm looking for that they're, they're matter. Utili- they matter but they're also like utility like they're like there's a lot of role players like you have the one three flyer versus the two two lifelinker in white and it's like I could see decks where I would want one or the other or both. We've also got the
0: three, one dino man. And you've got
1: exactly. And it's like, man, like I could really go for any one of those cards and they all take my draft deck in a slightly different direction. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it's really neat that, that like some of those, like a lot of the times you're the, the two drops that you have don't matter. Like you, it matters that you have them, but it's like it doesn't matter if this is a a two one for two or a two two for two or a two three that can't block or something like that. Like like a lot of the time, you just want something to play on two. But I think the difference just in those three cards, for example. So the three one dino trades up with a lot of things, right? If your opponent plays the four three plunder or the 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 black two drop, you you hope to God that you have a dino like on the draw. You hope to God that you have a three one dinosaur in your hand so that you can block that thing. Um, but like. The bishop is great to to just stabilize and like late game sometimes the life gain is relevant and the one three blocks like almost an infinite number of things on turn two turn three and then if you end up with like raid creatures for example in in white red or something like that or you end up with the the deacons that give vampires plus two plus zero like i'd rather the the three the one three flyer than the two two lifelinker in some of those scenarios so it's kind of uh it's kind of interesting how they're all you know they're all completely different cards, I would say, um, and and it might be easy to just kind of like slough those off and pass those over. It's like, well, whatever. It's a two drop. It doesn't matter. I think it does in a lot it matters
0: of matters here. Yeah. And we're not in to a, a lot mattering. of decks. Mm-hmm. It's really cool. Um. All
1: right. One more for you. Imperial Aerosaur. So this is a three and a white. This is one of my favorite cards, even though I don't think it's the strongest uh, uncommon. It's a three three flyer uh, and it gives a creature when it enters the battlefield, it gives a creature plus one plus one and flying versus the lightning crew the lobber crew of the format the o5 pirate i think it's a three drop Mm -hmm. i don't have it up on my screen here and uh taps for one damage and it untaps whenever you cast a pirate so spoiler alert i really liked uh thermal alchemist and i really like lobber crew in formats past um I, i like lightning crew a lot but i'm curious which one of these two you would take
0: I have played with both of these cards numerous times, and I can say pack one, pick one. I'm picking the Aerosaur every time. Mm-hmm. Um, I have had a deck with up to four of the Lobber Crews in it. I, uh, uh, what are they actually called? Lightning Rig Crew? Yeah. We need a nickname for them. Okay. Lightning Riggers. That works. I was calling them the booty crew today because what I actually did with them was play three of them in the deck that had four. And then I played the green, white gold card that makes things deal damage equal to their butt and then attacked with them. Opponent was not expecting 15 damage out of my zero fives. Uh, We won that game. But like the, the crew is certainly good and it's a real card. It, it wants it. It again takes a little bit more work and it sort of functions like a removal spell and against some decks, it's absolutely absurd. But I have found flying here to be very good. And I, I I think I have won all of the games that I have resolved an Aerosaur in. The card's just ridiculously strong if you have any board presence at all. We just were talking about the 3-1 Dinosaur. It's not uncommon to get in a hit with that and then have it bricked. Or like have your opponent staring there with a 2-drop. And then if you play this, all of a sudden you get another 4 damage and they're already... It's, They've taken 7 damage. You're about to hit them with 10 the next turn with this guy. And, like, that curve isn't a dream scenario or hard to put together. Whereas the Lightning Rig Crew can take a while. A lot of stuff can attack through it. There's no, like, it blocks, and it does block a lot of things, and that's significant. However, it doesn't actually trade with anything. So, like, if your opponent has 3 three threes, they can not attack into it. Right? Mm-hmm. Or even if they have three, two, threes, for example, they, they can attack into it just fine and deal you four points of damage. Whereas if you play the Aerosaur, all of a sudden they can't. Like they, they can bluff attack you or they can have something, but they can't just swing into it consequence free. So, so for me, I'm going to take the card that requires a little bit less work. Again, play the Aerosaur in a deck that has planes. It's going to be great. And I found evasion to matter a lot more in this format than I thought. Like the three, five flyer for four and a white. It's just good. Oh, the the three four the Aerosaur. Oh yeah, it's a three four. But yeah, it, I mean, it's it, surprisingly
1: good. I mean, it's pretty close to being an air elemental. Yeah, like an easier to cast air elemental. Mm-hmm. And, and air yeah. elemental's great. So yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna take the Aerosaur
0: here. Can you argue the case of the other card at all?
1: I think the lightning crew is higher risk, higher reward. I think the ceiling on the crew is better in the nut pirate deck like but i think you need more than one i think you probably need at least two to make it good and you need it like you need to be playing like blue red pirates or something like that like something that you were like you've got a critical mass of them um because i think you're, you're talking about evasive damage um if your lightning crew is hitting for two a turn because you're playing a pirate every turn. Um, you know, that's two evasive damage every single turn. So and it's saving you that life. Like I wouldn't be afraid to block with it every turn, force yeah. my opponent to use some kind of removal spell on it or something like that. Um, I just think that if I knew I was only gonna get one, I'm gonna take the Aerosaur. But if I knew that I could get another lightning crew, you know, like like I think I think the lightning crew might be maybe it's not better, maybe it's just more consistent.
0: I don't know. Like I, I... I played with it in a very good pirate deck. I think I had 12 pirates. It was black, red. And like, I had a few other creatures that were not pirates. And I, I always, when I had it in my openers, I had this weird thing. Cause like I'd have, you know, a couple lands, a two drop pirate, usually the three, three for three pirate and this. And like, and if, you have trouble sequencing, right? Yeah. And it's like, okay, so what am I supposed to do? I'm on the play. Yeah. Obviously I'm supposed to go two two into three, three, and then play this. And at that point, any pirate I top deck does extra damage. But, like, I've already cast three of my 13 pirates. So, like, that that's where I was kind of a little lower down on the card. It's like, I had it in a good pirate deck. And it was fine, but it wasn't as good as the Aerosaur was in any deck with planes. Yeah, that's uh, that—that's fair.
1: Um, maybe, maybe you need more than two. Maybe you need three. Maybe you need to, like, go... Totally home run on it to make it
0: better. I um, had four of them in a the deck today. I'd still I rather start that that draft with the Aerosaur. That seems that seems bananas to me. I would rather have four. It did to me sure. too. So would I. I was happy to get four, but like hmm. eh, eh. It also two, plays it very well. Wind.
1: Also plays very well with pirates cutlass. <laughs> sure, sure. Well, I mean, any pirate does, but yeah, okay. no, that was interesting. Like, cause it was just like, I was just like running through like a few thought experiment uh, experiments and this is what I do early in the format where I like, I like pick two cards that I'm not sure about. I'm like, Hey, these, these are two really good cards. And I'm like, do they compare to each other? Can we have a conversation about this versus this? Um, and I like to do like uncommons versus uncommons a lot of the time. So that was, that was a good conversation. I thought.
0: Okay. I can okay. dig it. it.
1: I can dig it. All right. That, that's all I got. I only had the two. So.
0: Okay. Maybe I wanted we'll to do more. a little bit of a draft along with Sim. Well, let's do that right now. Okay. So what I have pulled up on my screen is the first draft I did for Mana Deprived. And this was actually the first draft I did of the format. My experience with the format, as with most formats, I'm like, okay, I can do Sealed Leagues. Let's do Sealed Leagues. Why do I want to draft? I did two Sealed Leagues on the first day and then quit and played Heroes of the Storm. And then I did two Sealed Leagues on the second day and then quit and played uh, Player Unknown Battlegrounds. And then I started drafting. So this is my very first draft. I don't quite know what I'm doing yet. So we're actually going to follow three paths on this draft. We're going to follow what I did in the draft, and you can watch this right now on Mana Deprived. We're going to follow what Dave would do and what Travis now would do and see how far off we are. So like it. pack one, pick one. I'm just going to mention the notable cards here. Um, Mm -hmm. This is actually a really stacked pack. It's got a treasure map as our rare, Mm. which is two for a rare land, excuse me, two for a rare artifact. You can pay one and tap it to scry one. When you do that three times, it flips into a land that taps for colorless. You get three treasure tokens. You can also tap the land and sacrifice a treasure token to draw a card. Pretty good card. Colorless as well, which is notable. Yep. Uh, We've got Marauding Looter, two blue-red for a 4-3 human pirate, Raid at the beginning of your instep. If you attacked with a creature, you may loot. We've got a River Snake. River Sneak. Don't step on Sneak. One in a blue for a 1-1 one, one Merfolk Warrior can't be blocked. When you play another Merfolk, it gets plus 1 plus 1 until end of turn. And still in the uncommons, stacked, we've got Thundering Spineback. Ooh, five green, green for a five, five dinosaur. Other dinosaurs you control get plus one, plus one. You can spend six mana to make a three, three green dinosaur creature token with trample. Still not done. Got, got any commons in that pack? Yes, there's some commons in this pack. I'm just going to run through the highlights again, but quickly Deeproot root warrior, one in a green for a two, two merfolk warrior. When it becomes blocked, it gets plus one, plus one until end of turn. Fire cannon blast, one red red for a sorcery 3 damage to target creature, raid, 6 damage to target creature. Grazing whip tail, I've gone up on this one too. I don't think I'd take it over the spineback pack one pick one or the the warrior, but it's a 3-4 reach for two green green. We've also got uh unfriendly fire, which we we talked about that one and I think I like the blast better, but four in a red for an instant four damage to target creature or player. Mr. Seville, what is your pick?
1: Um Man, that's a tough one. So I like treasure map quite a bit, I think, um, because we talked about flooding and 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 that in the format. And I think that is a good place to spend some mana, ensure that you're either hitting your land drops or not hitting your land drops. The problem is, is it's slow. Um, so like it doesn't necessarily go in a deck that is um, looking to curve out, go two, three, four. Uh, you'd rather have a two drop in that spot. Um, but if you're playing a mid range, let's say, or, or a control style deck, um, obviously not pure control. It's pretty tough in this format. Um, I think the, I think the map has a place, um, especially like if you end up with other random incidental treasures, which you can in a lot of different colors. Um, I, I think it's got a place, but when you said the, uh, what was it? Territorial spineback? Is that what
0: it's called? Thundering the the spine one? back. Thundering
1: spineback. Uh, I get all my dinosaur names mixed up. Um, it's got a big butt. I mean big ish, but it dodges a lot of removal, uh, the damage based removal. Um it's a lord, so you're you're incentivized for driving uh, drafting a tribe in this in this instance. Uh it comes in the color of ramp, and it gives you a place to sink your mana. The problem is, is it's seven mana. So I think I would take that card, and I'm really looking to prioritize the uh the two drop mana dorks and potentially new horizons to make sure that I'm not playing this on turn seven. I'm playing it more on turn six or turn five.
0: Yeah. Now the our mana dork in this format is a three drop. No. Blossoming Dryad. There's the two drop. Oh, Grover. Yeah, the uncommon one. Okay. That's
1: the one that I'm looking to pick up. Hopefully it's uncommon, which sucks. Um, but like, you know, in a pinch you could play like a New Horizons or something like that. And if you're playing dinosaurs, there's the off chance that you might want to be three colors anyway. Um, so like the new horizons, is it necessarily a liability in that? Yeah. Um, like if you end up with the uncommon, uh, red one, the lava T-Rex. So I think, I think I take the, the seven drop. Um, and then that would be my only seven drop probably.
0: Okay. I, I think it's a lot closer than I initially thought it was. I took the treasure map. I'm a sucker for pack one, pick colorless cards. Cause it, it can go anywhere, right? Like that's, that's absolutely what I want to be doing. I think I would probably still take it. Um, because again, I can put this in any deck and what you said is true. It's better in a mid range deck. I have already played this card multiple times in aggressive decks and it's fine.
1: It's, it's fine. It's not at its best, but it's certainly playable.
0: Yeah. It's like a a super slow way to draw some extra cards, but as long as you're comfortable with that, it's fine. I've enabled splashes with it. Um, so I've been pretty happy with it and I think I would still take that, but like when I did this first draft, I was like, obviously we're pack one, pick one in this colorless card. But I, I faced down thundering spinebacks before, and it's like, do you have a removal spell for this right now? And is the board anywhere near stable? If I can't kill it and the board's anywhere near stable, I'm losing that game. Just losing yeah. it.
1: Just yeah, the the activated ability on it is is kind of insane. Honorable mention though to uh, the three damage red spell, fire cannon blast. Yeah, that it's- is that is, si- that is six with raid that shines in like a blue red deck where you have some kind of evasion and it's always on for six because you have like a little one two flyer or something like that going over the top um there's your unconditional removal there's your dinosaur removal spell basically um and i do like the raid looter quite a bit it kind of commits you to that to those grixis colors though um which is not necessarily a bad thing because of treasure um but just be aware that it's a little higher risk i would say
0: yeah i don't i don't want to p- first pick a gold card unless it's very powerful so we get to pack two pick one. No. Pack pack. Pack, pack one pick two. pick two. There we go. Yes. I'm learning how to do this. Alright, so you've got your green dinosaur. Mm-hmm. Past Travis and current Travis both have a treasure map. Alright. This one has some good cards too. We've got Seeker Squire, one in the black for a one-two human soldier. When it enters the battlefield, it explores. Sky Terror, Red White for a 2-2 flying menace. Actually, somebody in chat suggested that this card could have been better if it was named Flying Menace. And then the the text box said Flying Menace, and the flavor text was a Flying Menace. Anyway, that been awesome. Yeah, got to let that one go. New Horizons relevant for those who are interested in ramping. Two and a green for an Enchant Land. The land taps for two mana of any color when it enters the battlefield. You put a plus one plus one counter on target creature you control. Uh, Tashana's Wayfinder, two and a green for a two two merfolk scout. When it enters the battlefield, it explores. I think those are the only significant ones here. We've got some stuff like jungle delvers and conquistadors, but I don't think I'd start picking any of those here.
1: No, um, I think I'm in on the explore creature, um, because it is a, it's a three drop that has the stats of a, like a two and a three drop. I would say like it's somewhere between a two and a three drop stat wise. So it's like a two and a half, two and a half. If we're going to put it in like unset terms, um, I, I'll, when I'm looking for explore creatures, so there's also the black one, which is an honorable mention. Um, I like my explorer creatures cheap. But we've talked about this before. I think this is a common, like everybody knows this by now pretty much, but like early in the game, most of the time I'm happy hitting land drops and, and, and I'm also happy getting a slightly bigger creature this one being a 3-3 is kind of a big deal, like in a format of hill giants that come down in turn four, playing hill giant in turn three is usually ahead of the curve. Um, I like this one, and I also like the one, the two drop that comes down as a 3-2 sometimes. I think I think they're both pretty good. I would probably take that one. I'm looking at New Horizons, but consistently hitting my land drops is like not close enough to ramp, right, To to, to be the same as ramp, but you know, sometimes you just hit all seven land drops in a row and and you can play your seven drop on, on, on curve, quote unquote. Sometimes you don't need to get that ramp. Um, so, so I'm probably taking the explore
0: creature over the, over the ramp spell here. Both present and past Travis agree with you. We Mm -hmm. would take the wayfinder, And I mean, it it goes fine in your deck with your map anyway, right? Mm -hmm. You
1: want, you want extra lands. Sometimes you want cards on top, like, like explore is just good in, in, Pretty much every deck.
0: Yeah. And even the expensive explore creatures are just good. Like I've already played the queen's agent or whatever it is. No, it's not that one. The, the six mana lifelink explore card. I've already played that and it's been good. Yeah. I, I definitely would say better than
1: the earlier in the curve. Definitely though, the better that they are.
0: I think they're just good, man. I, mm-hmm. I think that they're better there because cheaper cards are a little bit better to have. Like you can't play too many six drops, but I think explore cards are just good.
1: I was gonna say, can we agree that the 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 two one first striker is probably the best explore? That card's bonkers. It's like bonkers. The number of times I've had a three two first striker on turn three that like puts a relevant card or like gets a card out of off the top of my library that I don't want into the graveyard, or even like shows who cares? Like I have a three two first
0: striker. Doesn't matter what I showed my opponent. It's bananas. Yep. Um my dinosaur deck lost to a deck that had two of those and they both hit and they're like, oh, I have six power of first strike on defense and a couple flyers. You're losing. Uh next pack, we've got uh we've got some cards here. We've got depths of desire in the un- in the common slot, two in a blue for an instant, return target creature to its owner's hand and get a treasure token. Mm-hmm. We've got a jade guardian, three in a green for a two two hex proof when it enters the battlefield, put a counter on a murfolk. We've got Pious Interdiction, three in a white for an enchant creature. Enchanted creature can't attack or block, you gain two life. Mm-hmm. We've got Run Aground, three in a blue for an instant. Put target creature on or artifact on top of its owner's library. We've got Sky March Blood Letter, two in a black for a 2 2 flying when it enters the battlefield, drain your opponent for one. And we've got Tataloni's Knight, one in a red for a 2 2 human knight. When it attacks, if you control a dinosaur, it gets plus one, plus one until end of turn. You have a Wayfinder and a Thundering Spine back. What do you want here?
1: Um, I might take Pious Interdiction. Um, it's generally good enough to do the job that you need it to do. Um, obviously, it doesn't kill things with activated abilities. The fact that I don't have a removal spell yet uh, kind of makes me a little nervous. Um, however, there were no other white cards in this pack, were there?
0: Uh, there's some that don't super matter. There's a Legion's Judgment, a Bishop Soldier, a Sunrise Seeker, and a Slash of Talons. I don't think uh, any of those are ones that we're third picking.
1: No, but that doesn't indicate that that maybe the people next to me haven't taken any white cards yet. Uh, because that's a lot of white cards in one pack. And it there's is. a lot we're of
0: missing a rare and an uncommon
1: though. No, and and you're not wrong. But like that that might influence uh, the people that are passing to us, knowing that they've passed a lot of these white cards. Um, hmm. I don't mind Jane Guardian, but if I go all in on green and I don't end up with a pounce or a savage stomp of some kind, then I'm looking for removal in my second color. And I don't know what that second color is going to be. So I might stake my ground. My I might stake my claim in white here and then drop a pick on Pious Interdiction.
0: Both past and current Travis agree with you. Yeah, so our, our decks are ending up pretty similarly. I, I want to go through the first six picks and then we can we can wrap it up there. So next pack has Bright Reprisal, four and a white for an instant. Destroy target attacking creature. Draw a card. Mm-hmm. Trove of Temptation, three in a red. Each opponent must attack you or a planeswalker you control with at least one creature each combat. If able, at the beginning of your instep, create a treasure token. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got Opt for Dave. Scry one, draw a card for one blue. I love Opt. Uh, Skyblade of the Legion, one in a white for a one-three flying. Spike-tailed Ceratops. Four and a green for a 4-4 four four Dino can block an additional creature each combat. Sun-crowned Hunters, if you're interested in those. Four red-red for a 5-4. Enrage deals three damage to target opponent. And an unfriendly Fire. Four and a red for a instant deals four damage to target creature or player. That was a bit of a dud pack for us, hey?
1: Yeah, you can kind of get this sometimes in this format. It, there's a lot of packs that feel shallow to me in this format. So, hmm... I could speculate on an unfriendly fire. Um, You know, green, red is fine. Green, white is fine. Naya colors are all fine together. Um, I I haven't played with Trove of Temptation. Is it any good? Like it's is it ramp in red? Like, I don't know that it is. Um, I don't want the one, three in white. Not yet. That's tough. I probably hedge into the unfriendly fire side of things. And, uh, and then, you know, maybe I play one of those cards on the splash if I have to like the white one or the red one, um, kind of keep myself open to still playing these green dinosaurs, the one green dinosaur, I guess. I think that's, I think that's what I'm doing.
0: Past Travis took bright reprisal. Current Travis knows that that card's just awful and doesn't even want it in the deck, much less want to fourth pick it. So I would take unfriendly fire. With my setup, I'm set up with a treasure map and cards in three colors, and I can easily play any of those three color combinations and be happy, perhaps playing all of them. So I'd have treasure map, wayfinder, interdiction, unfriendly fire going into the next pick. And I'm looking to pick up some more,
1: um, like explore cards if I can get them. Uh, but then like, I really want to start looking for dinosaurs here at some point. Yeah, ideally.
0: So next pack has a couple cards for us as well. We've got Perilous Voyage, one in a blue for an instant return target, non-land permanent you don't control to its owner's hand. If it's converted mana cost was two or less, scry two. We have Headstrong Brute, two and a red for a 3-3 that can't block. It gets menace if you control another pirate. We have Pirate's Cutlass, three for an equipment, plus two, plus one. We talked about this earlier. When you play it, you can put it on a pirate. It's equipped too. We have a Sailor of Memes. 2 and a blue for a 1-4. When it enters the battlefield, you get a treasure token. A Stormfleet Pyromancer. 4 and a red for a 3-2 with raid to damage to target creature or player. And a uh, Sculptor Merfolk. 3 and a blue for a 3-2. Can't be blocked when it enters the battlefield. Bounce one of your own guys. Man, that's a lot of blue coming around.
1: Is it too early or too late to go blue? Probably not. But like I don't know if any of those cards are with, worth switching colors for. Um like the bounce spell is kind of whatever same with the the merfolk creature it's like it's not a reason to go blue it's good if you're in blue yeah i do i do like the pyromancer quite a bit um still looking for those cheap creatures though so man i probably take the pyromancer and now i'm like thinking to myself in the back of my head is this gonna end up a train wreck because i'm like locking myself into this first pick first two picks that i made yeah i'm I- a little worried
0: I I want the pyromancer too. It goes with my uh, current Travis's uh, unfriendly fire and pious interdiction. We can do, you know, big red, white. I can still be red, green and play the wayfinder and I think be pretty happy with it. Past Travis picked the sailor of memes and thought, you know what? Maybe I do need to go in on this blue. Is that worth going in on blue? I don't think that it is. I, I don't think that it is either. And I, I don't think that I would do it again, but that's why it's so interesting to go back and review a draft that I did at the beginning of a format and then look at it here. So this will be our last pick. Um, As as we go into here, we'll be picking card number six, one, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah. And it, it can kind of just get an, get us an idea of where we might've gone. So I took sailor of memes. I'm sad about it. Um, but we're just going to pretend that I'd taken that pyromancer because I think it's a better card. Yeah. Here we've okay. got deep root warrior one and a green for a two, two when it becomes blocked, it gets plus one and plus one until end of turn fire cannon blast one red, red three damage to target creature raid. It does six Uh sailor of memes. Another one. We've got a nest robber two one haste for one in a red. And we've got another sun crown hunters and then some garbage. You're not playing.
1: I'm in for the Fire Clan blast, and I think it's probably pretty obvious here that red is open.
0: Yep, I would grab it here too, and I think be pretty happy with where my you know green red or white red deck is going. Yeah. Um, the deck I actually eventually ended up with was a white red deck that was running um treasure map. Was this the deck I managed to pull this off in? Yeah, yeah, it was. I had the treasure map, a trove of temptation, and um. The enchantment, makeshift munitions. I did oh, some no, you didn't. Yeah, I did some fun stuff with this one. I I think it probably would have been better if I had gone into red a little bit sooner, but I, I'm glad that I finally did.
1: Hmm.
0: Okay. So
1: interesting. I, I interesting. think you could have had
0: a good green red deck too as as this was coming along. Like if we carry this through a little bit later, um blue white was what was actually quite open. But I think you could have ended up with a decent green red deck if you'd continued down your path. Interesting. Interesting.
1: I think the key to the to the big green deck is like those the, the two drop dorks like first pick. I think first picking a, t- a two drop green dork is probably like the
0: correct thing to do in a lot of packs. If, if you see one, you mean the mana guy, right? The dinosaur yeah, mana guy, the, yeah, the mana dork. You don't see him that often. I, I have had some successful dinosaur decks that were just using like Deep Root Warriors or the pirates, the two drop pirates for something to play on two and something to take the counter when i played the land before time cuz going two drop into that into five drop dinosaur was usually a pretty good sequence pretty good sequence but like
1: like i the, the the two drop mana guy is just absurd it's it's absurd right so like i think it's it's a very high quality first pick um and that yeah like i'm really sad that i haven't seen them i think i got one in a sealed pool that i played I don't remember. I had one in, in a draft deck or a seal pool early or something like that, and it was just it was just the Stone Cold Nuts whenever I had it on turn two. So I'm very glad that it doesn't just tap for dinosaur mana.
0: Would you call it an uncommon payoff for a tribe?
1: Uh you know, I think it's better than that because I think you would still play it in a Merfolk deck. <laughs> yeah, I do too. I was just trying oh, to take us full circle. But you're yeah. trying to take us for full full circle. Yeah. But like you put it in a Merfolk deck. Um, and it's probably fine because you're going to have some random green dinosaur anyway, right? Mm-hmm. It's hard not to have di- a dino or two. Well, all the green dinos are good. Yeah. Can just
0: talk about how dumb green is, by the way. It's really pushed. It's really pushed. They're still making up for battle for Zendikar, Al- although you can't out aggro them. You, I mean, absolutely.
1: But like green is just super overdrafted, at least the, the pools that I'm kind of seeing. So like, you know, for example, in this draft along with Travis here, you know, today I probably take the the seven drop. And then never see a green card after that because somebody first picked pounce and somebody before them first picked a savage stomp. And it's like, well, I guess we're dinosaurs now. And it's like, I wanted to play the seven drop. But that's why I think the uh, the the two drop dork is such an easy first pick, because if you end up ramping to big green red or something like that, it's so good. And even if you don't like two drop dorks are just good. Yeah. So whatever. Anyway, I, that, that's that's my advice to you. That's my homework for you. Go out there and draft two drop mana dorks next time you draft. <laughs> Thank you for that. No problem. That was a nice, uh, nice concise episode there. I think we almost just came in under an hour or so.
0: Would you say we found the answers we were fishing for?
1: I did not seek. I, I did not find any answers here. Except actually, here we go. River Sneak, that, that stupid 1-1 unblockable. I, I have a beef with this card. Why does it
0: always kill me? For anyone that's interested in how to beat a river sneak, go back and watch the finals of the streamer showdown because Dave Murphy, a good friend and guest on the podcast, had a stupid Murfolk deck. I think he had three of those, and he was quite freely putting counters on them and pumping them every turn. And I barely was able to dig through it. It it's actually a card, but it's a very all in card. If you can mm-hmm. kill it, you kind of wreck their whole strategy. Slitherblade of the format. Yeah. Thank goodness it's an uncommon, like unblockable creatures, hexproof creatures are just kind of miserable. And I honestly think that's why people are saying a lot of people do say that Merfolk is the best deck. I don't necessarily think that's the case, but you can set up scenarios where your opponent doesn't get to interact much. It's kind of like a Boggle style deck. But if you are able to interact at any point with it, right? Like obviously if you've got two Jade Guardians, the plus two, plus two and flying card starts to look pretty good. And I've done that but you also end up in situations where you don't have a jade guardian and you have to keep racing or you're going to lose. So you throw it on your deep root warrior. And if they kill it in response or just untap and kill it, it's kind of game over. So like you tend to remember those times where you landed it on the jade warrior and like, I have a fly five fly, flying hex proof and they died, but then forget about the times you played it and they killed it. And you're just like, well, I didn't have any choice. I did what I had to do and I lost. It's no big deal. I wonder if subconsciously
1: people are also thinking that like, Walk the Plank, one of the best removal spells, doesn't beat the Merfolk deck, and you're kind of like, oh my god, removal
0: sucks in this format. You know, what's funny is I had a Walk the Plank against Murph and it won me the game. Straight up won me the game because he needed his Air Elemental to block, and it was literally the only creature he had on the board I could kill. That's so funny. I mean, you still play it, but like... Don't man. take out Walk the Plank against Merfolk. Even the nut Murfolk deck has four or five targets, and there are things you need to kill. Mm-hmm. Think think
1: of it as pre-sideboarding against things that you can't kill with anything else.
0: <laughs> that's not a bad way to
1: think of it. <laughs> it is, right? Like, you're right. The Merfolk deck is not playing 23 Merfolk. So anyway, maybe we'll come back next week and we'll talk about some archetypes, um, get a little more experience in the format here. We can talk about some of the the, the nut cards in each of the, the formats. We went a little over time this week, so we'll get to it next week, I think. Um, yeah, that's going to wrap up the episode this week. Thanks again to face-to-face games and manadeprived.com for all the support and hosting. Uh, Travis, where can they find you on Twitch and the Twitter?
0: You can find me under the screen name Simulin, S-E-M-U-L-I-N, both at Twitch and Twitter. Would love to see you on the stream and uh, tweet at me, yo. And I am
1: DCivilian, that's D-S-A-V-I-L-L-I-A-N, on both as well. I've been ramping up my, speaking of ramp, ramping up my stream game lately, so come and check us out. I try to do a draft three nights a week now, so come hang out. Yay. Cool. Good episode, man. We will, uh, catch you next week. I'll see you then. All right. Catch y'all later.
0: Bye.